Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. This is News Talk. All right, you're very welcome along. It is Thursday's Off The Ball. Hope you're keeping well. It's Nathan with you this evening, all the way through until 10 o'clock. Another busy night in the Premier League. Some huge games in the scrap for the top four, in the relegation battle as well. We'll keep you up to date with all those throughout the evening. Team news coming up with Richie in just a couple of moments' time. Last night, of course, Manchester City took a giant step towards the Premier League title and they ripped Arsenal apart at the Etihad Stadium. A 4-1 victory. We're going to talk about that with John Giles and we'll also hear from the Athletics Manchester City correspondent Sam Lee about what has been going on at the club and this upturn in form over the past couple of months that's put them in this position. We have live commentary of Leinster against Toulouse. Champions Cup semi-final promises to be an absolute cracker at Lansdowne Road on Saturday. Keith Wood is going to join us after 8 o'clock it's also the final round of games in the Women's Six Nations and we'll have the latest Six Nations show between 8 and 9 and we're also going to take a look at the latest scandal in Italian football on the football show as well 53106 is the text number Richie McCormick good evening Nathan uh, it's always nice to talk to a friend of the stars like yourself it's just the way I roll it is just the way I roll Richie you're talking about Joe are you? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. He, Malloy, he's, talk, he's talking about uh, Jason, Phil, and Brendan, as, as you know them. I suppose <sighs> that, that, that is <laughs> that is how I know them. Uh, you're right. I um, I did get to meet the three stars of Ted Lasso last night after the game. The game itself lived up to the hype. It was, you know, it was on at the Etihad, and I had spotted very early on in the evening Noel Gallagher alongside uh, the three main, three of the main, not quite the three main. Uh, it's an ensemble piece Roy Kent wasn't there which was a real shame Mm -hmm. Um, but yes I spotted my opportunity at about half past ten I was walking down to the mix zone to see could I uh, be ignored by all 22 players that uh, played in the match uh, last night and standing just outside the mix zone was Ted Lasso himself and uh, I won't lie I got pretty excited I do love Ted Lasso and thought heck why not? I'm just going to go and do it. I don't know if this is professional or not. I know it's not professional to ask the players for a photo. So you'd never do that, obviously. <laughs> maybe if Messi came out, maybe you'd make an exception. But I know that's not professional. But they weren't in the mix, and I thought, why not? And David Myler, fair play to him, took a beautiful photograph. He wasn't really interested in Ted Lasso himself. And uh, yeah, it was, quite, it was quite strange. Now, I was only with them for, I would say, 20 seconds max. But it did feel like they were in character. And maybe that was just me. Well, I, I thought... Um Brendan Hunt, a.k.a. Coach Beard, mm. put more effort into the photo than anyone else, including you. Uh, absolutely. He was very much in character. Photos. Yeah, yeah. And I, Jason Sudeikis uh, was wearing a Richmond jacket. Yeah. And Jamie Tart looked like he'd rather be anywhere else. Phil Dunster, come on. <laughs> Jamie Tart, the rest of us. Um, I, I will deduct journalism points from you, I have to say. I did see it and I thought, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit low red. I don't know. I don't know about this. I just don't know. But they're not. They were standing in a tunnel. I just don't so know. So are you. You don't have to get a photo of them. I thought it was just you know, a little bit, standing you know, in a random tunnel. Here. Wasn't sure. Yeah. Don't really care what you think, to be honest. <laughs> no need to. Yeah. You yeah. don't need to take it down that road. <laughs> Did you tell them about uh, Golf Weekly? Did I tell them? I didn't tell them about Golf I presume they. I presume they tune in. 
big fan. Missed opportunity there, Nathan. Yeah, miss, miss, I ended up missing uh, Golf Weekly then because of my uh, trek over to Manchester. We noted that. Yeah, uh, I won't lie, a nightmare there. I left my phone on the plane. What? Oh, left my phone on the plane. That's. Did you get it back? Uh, fair play to the incredibly helpful staff at Aer Lingus who did get my phone back. Hey, <sighs> did well. You There's did that well. terrible moment where you're like, oh, wait a second. Does my entire life revolve around this? Yeah. Like, like how do I even get home from the airport now? Like, yeah. oh, my cards are on my phone. It, was it could have been somewhere painful, across the world very quickly. Painful couple of hours. So, uh, yeah, last night, I, I say it lived up to the hype in some ways and that the occasion, it mm. felt big. Uh, Manchester City delivered the sort of performance we know they're capable of. There was still a spell with half an hour to go in the commentary. I'm like really feels like there's only two minutes left and we shouldn't be talking like this like the game is done but it, it just was done and Manchester City felt like they were done they were kind of toying with them then it was yeah, the first first half of that game was, was City at their very very best you were obviously watching it in here Joe what do you make of it? Um, like I did think City were great I thought Arsenal were putrid as well you know like really disappointing um, even that first goal like you, you freeze frame it when the ball is in the air so you know, City were, were, were. It was interesting that they were very willing to go long, and you can do that when you've Haaland. But I mean, if you freeze frame that first goal when the ball is in the air, Partey's ahead of De Bruyne, goal side of him. Uh, Haaland has holding for company, but Gabriel is behind him, and White's in a very good covering position. And it's like just this collective nothingness. And and De Bruyne pounces, Haaland does brilliantly, and I, I I don't know what the sense in the stadium was, Nathan, but. Uh, myself and Mick and Arthur watching in studio, like a sense of, uh, not quite boredom, but like, it's done. It's over, set in very, very early. Mm. It was just complete domination. I was saying to Sam Lee that if you think back to the other title deciders and the Liverpool City games over the last years, that like Liverpool always, City played like that for periods in almost all of those games where you thought like Liverpool just aren't going to be able to stay with them. But they did, and they they contain it at one goal, and then they'd have their own period. And you're right. After the five minutes after that first goal, like Arsenal offered nothing. In fact, they were just hanging on constantly. Mm. And maybe it is the disappointment of what's gone on over the last couple of weeks and the way they've blown it in three consecutive games. But there's not a single player in that Arsenal team who wakes up this morning and goes, "You know what? At least I left it all out there. At least." At least I can hold my head high. Like I, th- I think, I think what that game did was, which it showed how well Arsenal have actually done so far this season. And I know it's going to be no, no sucker to them at all, given the result last night. But like a team that has, and I know they, they've had injuries and Saliba's out injured, etc. But a team that has Rob Holding starting a quote-unquote title decider, like that, that's that's not right. Like, and and it's you know, it's they're not at the same level as other teams that have challenged Man City for the league over the last three years. And it's a credit to them that they actually have hung in here into late April in the title challenge but I don't know if that says as much for Arsenal's performance in the first portion of the season or that Man City have been operating in second or third gear for large portions of it as well because I get the feeling that they have only really clicked into full power uh, City that is in the last four or five weeks and they've been a nightmare for anybody uh, to, to come up against I don't know I just don't think anybody's really on City's level um, ultimately yet this season No I, I agree with that I, in a way it was testament to Arsenal because it exposed the gap mm. and therefore showed how well they have done and how much they've almost overachieved this year. Yeah, at the same time, like they had blown it before last night and like they'd hung in there for not just half a season, like they were there right, pretty much till the bitter end right now. Mm. And 
but part of me does look at that squad and again they all underperformed so much that you do look at everybody behind the front four and go geez Arteta's done a bloody good job to get that group yeah. into that position yeah and, and like we say to the end I, I, the April aspect maybe is a bit misleading like there's still there was a quarter of the season left almost when they started having real wobbles mm. you know um, so the the other thing is you, you you look at that squad not least compared to City but you presume Chelsea just have to get their act together very very soon and others will improve as well like I think you also had the sense that this could be Arsenal's best chance of winning a league for the guts of the next however many years you want to slap on it that's the other mm. uh, disappointing aspect this was maybe their brief window in the way that Leicester swooped in this could have been their chance because how many more players will they need to keep pace with City well we recorded Sam Lee uh, in the last hour and I was asking him what are the plans for the summer he was saying that maybe Emmerich Laporte is out of favour he might go obviously there were question marks about Bernardo Silva last summer and he was you know, talking about Jude Bellingham and obviously they seem to be favourites right now but talking about oh, maybe they might look for another right back maybe another couple of centre midfielders uh, they might look for somebody to play on the right side of midfield and the money is there the money is there if they want to go and do this so yeah. City aren't going to stall like it it probably feels it's going to come into focus more than ever because the charges have been laid now and there's over 100 charges against Manchester City, but also the realisation that like, it's five and six years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the general mood music around this uh, treble, if it is a treble, and, and you think like if they, get, if they squeak past Madrid, you could see them putting on a bit of a show against either Milan side in the final. You could see them beating Manchester United comprehensively, obviously neither a guarantee, and you could see them winning the title with two or three games to go, not least because Arsenal will find it very hard to lift themselves now. And so just, you know, space abhors a vacuum. Like the news cycle will just look for, uh, you know, something fresh. And I think it, we will return to conversations about City, their place in football, the ills of football. How do we treat this Premier League winning season given the 115 charges? So <clears throat> it's, it's going to be interesting to see... Um, you know, we were talking with Jonathan Wilson during the week and trying to compare it with 99, which reached this kind of crescendo. I'm, I'm sure non-Manchester United fans uh, don't look back on it fondly, but there was a drama to it. Don't think it's going to feel that way in 23. And I, it, it'll almost be, they'll almost, as mad as it is to say about any treble of this kind, but there'll be like a certain flatness to such an awesome achievement. They're so hard to love. The, the, the way I kind of compared them was 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 like a, a road. Like the, the ideal road to drive on ultimately is a straight road, a smooth surface, and you get there from A to B quite quickly. But the more interesting road is the one that has a little bit of a change in the surface and has twists and turns and different views from, from left to right. And you don't get that with Manchester City. I mean, once they hit top gear, you just know that they're going to win four matches out of five pretty are, much are every dominant time. teams ever loved? I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. I don't know. I do find them better to watch this year than in recent times, actually. Well, I think Haaland just adds... Like, it, it adds a lot. The words it does add a lot. That there's just a sense that something can always happen yeah. and that they're never just satisfied anymore yeah. with scoring one or two because the amount of Manchester City games we've covered at the Etihad over the last six or seven years where, listen, they've been brilliant, but it's just been controlled brilliance when they've yeah. needed to be, particularly against teams in the bottom half, whereas Haaland's desperation to always score has unquestionably added. And while there mightn't be a love, there's definitely definitely an awe when you watch them of wow mm. like there's been times this season where it's been as good as we've seen in the Premier League in terms of attacking football yeah. but the love and is Gre- just Grealish as well Grealish adds a lot as well he adds certain one on one it's very likeable individuals there actually lots of very likeable individuals with yeah. Haaland Grealish Foden yeah keep yeah. going 
De Bruyne, I, I like De Bruyne, De Bruyne, I have to say. Um, Bernardo Silva. Yeah. Gotta like Bernardo Silva. Yeah, so funny, I, I like them more on the pitch than I have in recent years now, but I suppose one, their dominance, just the extent of their dominance, as you, as you said, five and six and a, a treble potentially, and two, just the charges. I mean, when you read through them, <laughs> I'm sure they'll defend themselves to the hilt, but like it's 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 mad stuff, really. So Well, they'll point the pitch, out, of course, that yeah. none of these titles that they've uh, w- you know won in the last uh, three years are, are even under this. Okay, it's yeah. Up sure, to 2018. John. Up to 2018, okay. Well, you know, a, a bit like uh, doping, I think the gains somehow survive uh, past 18. Uh, nice Alleged. to see Aaron Ramsdale's following the well-worn path of hyped English goalkeepers at fault again last night, says Anonymous. Uh, yeah, you can certainly question him for the goal. And in fact, I think even when he panned it out right at the first minute and uh, Manchester City could well have had a penalty kick, it was a strange one to try and figure out. Again, you just sense that actually they haven't settled at all all the nerves that were there from Friday are still there with Arsenal yeah and he um, obviously had that terrible mistake ball at his feet on Friday as well which was so costly no he it's made funny, it, half a dozen it's, good saves it's, it's, it's in, yeah I mean geez, Haaland should have scored about six it, it's interesting when you see these behind the scenes documentaries like the Amazon Prime documentary he comes across as a very driven type even when they win well and he concedes one he's not happy so yeah, it just feels so ugh to call him just hyped, but that's not his fault. I think he's probably a driven character, but he's still uh, developing, isn't he? Saliba's injury has probably cost Arsenal the title, uh, which is quite possibly true, yeah. but the problem is like, Manchester City missed Ruben Diaz. They've lost four games. Ruben Diaz wasn't there for three of them, but they survive. They come back because of the depth that they have. And you know, Look at Manuel Akanji last night, 50 million quid, Borussia Dortmund. I think he started all but t- or played all but two Premier League games. That cycles back to the charges. Like when you can afford that kind of depth, it's a completely different story. I remember at the start of the season when they started doing, they got off to a good start. For the first month or two, one of the questions I often found myself asking the various guests was, well, will the Arsenal squad be deep enough and most people said oh probably not I don't know why we stopped asking that I just they kept the show on the road for so long it just sort of drifted a bit from consciousness and they dealt with the Jesus injury and you kind of thought maybe it's okay but you know the likes of Asaka playing every game in the Premier League since 2021 plus 13 England games I thought like there was a there was a moment where a ball was spread wide to him when Arsenal were under the caution. He just made a a really average effort to control it under a bit of pressure. And you just you, you kind of think, well, if he was really fresh, he might have made a better fist to that. Like that has to catch up on some of the players as well. And I think that look, the Saliba was holding that defence together. Like Gabriel is not a good defender, and uh, holding alongside them further exposed the weaknesses. Uh, Nathan, you were at the Etihad last night on OTBM this morning and hosting tonight. Not going to lie, that's a brutal enough schedule, says Kieran Burr. You're right. Absolutely brutal, but, you know, fame hungry. Love the attention. God, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, we're going to get into the team news for tonight. Uh, Owen on YouTube. Uh, Bazunu dropped after a poor yeah. season. Collins hasn't had a kick in months. Obafemi can't get a look in, so hardly going to get a game in the Premier League next year. Need these lads to have big seasons. Uh, there's been speculation around Gavin Bazunu for quite a while I didn't think he covered himself in glory in that game against Arsenal uh, not just with the palming of the ball uh, for the third goal but also there was a couple of times where he came flying out of the area and there just seemed to be a little bit of confusion so very late in the season uh, he's had a, you know he's had plenty of game time but Southampton have made a change 
Yeah, 32 games in, uh, Bazunu. Like, again, much like he reminds me of Villa Melier to a degree as well. I think there's a, a very good goalkeeper there. I think he's not been helped by the defence that's been in front of him for the majority of this season and has been exposed and has been forced into some rash and odd decisions that goalkeepers shouldn't be making. But I, again, it's pro- like, is Alex McCarthy a massive step up on Kevin Bazunu? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Maybe they felt they just needed to try and shake things up a little bit. They're bottom of the table. They're heading down. Try something different. Yeah, I think it's shifting deck chairs and all that. So what do we got tonight in the Premier League, Richie? Uh, yes, Everton hoping to pull themselves out of the relegation zone tonight. They play host to a Newcastle side gunning for Champions League football and they put Tottenham to the sword on Sunday. Jordan Pickford starts in goal for Everton. There's no Seamus Coleman in their match day squad. So Ben Godfrey starts at right back. They've got James Tarkovsky and Michael Keane at the centre of their defence and Vitaly Mikalenko on the left. In midfield then it's Idrissa Gay, Amadou Anana and Abdullah Decore with Dwight McNeil and Alex Iwobi in service to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, for Newcastle no Matt Byrne on the left hand side of their defence so Nick Pope starts in goal Kieran Trippier Fabian Scherr Sven Botman and Matt Target are their back four Bruno Gimaraes, Sean Longstaff and Joe Willock are in midfield and Miguel Almiron and Joe Linton are in support of Callum Wilson elsewhere as we mentioned Gavin Mazzuni dropped in favour of Alex McCarthy for Southampton's game at home to Bournemouth an 8-15 start to the meeting of Tottenham and Manchester United uh, good news for Spurs fans they've reverted to a back three tonight uh, Christian Romero Eric Dyer and Clement Longley are in the heart of their defence Pedro Poro and Ivan Perisic push forward at the pitch in front three of Son, Kane and Richarlison for Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes has been past fit to start in midfield for them. Victor Lindelof continues in defence. Jaden Sancho, Anthony and Christian Eriksen also in there in support of Marcus Rashford tonight. An 8.15 start to that game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Crutches, the moon boot, it was all just a ploy. Nothing wrong with Bruno Fernandes. He's back. Yeah, uh, who knows what spurs we see this evening? I mean, that's just uh, that's just all kinds of uh, madness there. And uh, Everton look a touch dead mm. is the is the sense. Pat Nevin was at Goodison for the uh, defeat to Fulham, the three-one defeat, and all the old-timers, former players, season ticket holders, never as pessimistic. Just there's, there's no life in this team. Um, but like two weeks previously, Michael Keane scored that late equaliser against Spurs on Monday Night Football, and you thought, okay, there might be something here. I guess the one cause for hope is that team looks a bit better than a lot of their teams of late. In that Calvert Lewin is there; he's only played 13 times mm. across the season and, and managed one goal. So maybe he just gives them that touch of hope. But th- that's an interesting game against Newcastle. Oh, they're all interesting tonight. Like it's still so tight. A win for Everton this evening, and they move up to. 16th, they move above Leicester, Nottingham Forest, Leeds United. It does feel like it all comes down to Calvert Loom because behind him, you wouldn't really say Everton are too good to go down. And unfortunately, they've been waiting for Calvert Loom for 18 months at this stage. Well, it's true. Who would you miss the least? Which three would you not uh, be too upset to see the back of? Uh, Southampton, Forest, Bournemouth. Mm, hard yeah. to disagree. Oh, I, kind of, I want Forrest to stay up there. I think with Everton Goodison's a brilliant stadium but also like what a shame it would be for the supporters as they're on the verge of moving to the new stadium like maybe they maybe they get to move there glorious as championship winners mm. <laughs> quite possibly it's really grim though isn't it it's like Everton shouldn't be like I know you think back to like the, the Mike Walker season and they ultimately were down there as well like that's 30 years ago so they flirted with this before and David Moyes in his first season had the, had the same thing there but like they shouldn't like a, a team that are geared as, as they are and have spent that they have shouldn't be there what else you got for us Richie? 
Uh, Dorothy Wall fit enough only for a place among the replacements in Ireland's final TikTok Women's Six Nations outing. Head coach Greg McWilliams has named an unchanged starting 15 for Saturday's game with Scotland in Edinburgh. Wall missed last week's defeat to England with an ankle injury. Linda Chugang is fit to start at loose head, having come through the return to play protocols this week. And despite the disappointing nature of the tournament thus far, McWilliams says the players are not feeling down on their luck. I think you'll always look back and, and want to do things better. It's just every day, like, you should be challenging yourself to make sure that you're maximising everything. I think that anybody who's watched this team perform over the Six Nations, you know, we're disappointed with the results. But I think if you look at how we are developing, we definitely have seen um, that the team has developed. Um, and, you know, going from Wales, that was disappointing. We improved in elements against France. We improved in elements against Italy. I thought last week against England, we improved in certain elements that led us down previously in the championship and we own that and you know it's all about how we finish now you're only as strong as as how you finish in this event and we've got a massive game at the weekend and I think uh, the team has definitely developed Uh, it's built character Um, it's one of those things that you'll probably appreciate that character in time when you look back and realise geez, we got through that we can get through anything because it was a challenging Six Nations players they're excited for the next challenge and um, I think that's the really refreshing thing for me as a coach and for the whole staff is to see a group of players that are excited to get out and play at the weekend and that's a really good sign because they're enjoying their rugby and they're working through what has been a, a difficult time there's no doubt about that uh, the Six Nations show coming up between 8 and 9 Owen Cork has been in touch he's a sad Arsenal fan speaking of meeting the stars I was at the game last night met Haley from Corrie on the road in Manchester this morning a town full of celebrities jeez who who'd have thought that you, you know you could trump the Ted Lasso crew but there you go Shambles is loving the begrudgery against Nathan over the Ted Lasso pick who wouldn't grab the chance listen we make these choices that he uses without sin. I'll find something to well, 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 indeed. That's a fair point. <laughs> I'll find something to I'm sure. That's a fair point, I'm sure. Uh, the uh, Women's Champions League semi-finals there must be what into the closing stages now yeah it's 10 minutes to go in this second leg it's now Barcelona 1 Chelsea 1 on the night and 2-1 to Barca on aggregate Caroline Graham Hansen uh, put Barcelona ahead this evening on 64 minutes Guru Wrighton equalised for Emma Hayes side so 1-1 as I say on the night 2-1 to Barca over the two legs is it Sunday night Monday night yeah uh, Monday night for Arsenal and Wolfsburg yeah the first of May that's, that's Monday yeah. I'm watching Mark Selby and Mark Allen just starting out at the World Snooker Championship yeah that uh, session is just underway Selby with the first couple of points of that session it's Allen's first World Championship semi-final in 14 years and he is up against a four-time former Crucible champion earlier today tournament debutant Si Jiahui ended the afternoon session with a 5-3 lead over Luca Brassell they'll be back in the morning it is a long slog this one it's the first to 17 that will make the weekend's final since Xhaka pushed Trent when Arsenal were 2-0 up at Anfield heading for 3 points in cruising Arsenal have conceded 11 goals scored 6 and taken a paltry 3 points from 12 available Mm. says Anonymous yeah I think you you know who they want to blame and that that was well that was always 2 points dropped from 2-0 I was amazed at like the pass they were given as potential title pretenders to go from 2-0 to 2-2 in that game and that's not squad depth. That's just like, you know, Jacques has been so good this season by comparison with recent seasons, but he's still Jacques. You know, there are still, there just are still limitations to a lot of these players as well as they've done. He obviously missed Friday's game. He was ill. He didn't yeah. look right at all last night. Yeah, maybe to be fair to him last night, that that is probably one of those where it's out you go. You just have to try and get through it. It's funny, Kenny Cunningham, when he was in studio last week, was saying of Saliba, 
you know, if he's 40, 50%, he's like, it's one of those, you just have to go out and play. I don't know how fit or otherwise Saliba or how close to fitness he is, but uh, I, I presume that's what happened with Xhaka. Uh, lads, I was at the Everton-Fulham game and Fulham destroyed us. The mood was yeah. resignation among the fans. If we survive, it'll be a miracle. Three wins and a draw required. That was the one Nevin was referencing. He just never remembered as many seasoned, ah, we'll be fine types saying, uh, I don't think so. Uh, because um, there was so much attention, obviously, on the City-Arsenal game last night, uh, has, has everyone spoken enough about Frank Lampard? Mm, My God. enough. It's not good. Does he, did he resign? <laughs> um, he's getting five million net reportedly for what? this uh, few months' work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is this, the is this tarnishing his does. Hall of Fame? Like, is this going to impact the memory of Frank Lampard no, at Chelsea? Don't, no, don't no, no, so. no, don't think so. I don't think so. The player is completely separate from the manager at Chelsea uh, as regards Frank, because I, but I, I simply think because they're so different um, in terms of their success and their abilities uh, as a manager, he's just nowhere close to being a, what he was as a player. And I think there's a realization on all parties of that. But it's, I think when he first took the job, we wondered if it could affect his reputation as a manager either way. And everyone's sense was, well, only if it goes disastrously. And By losing every game. Well, I think it is now starting to almost be a copper fasting in that sense that maybe he's just not cut out for it. And, and that's quite an achievement in the space of four or five games. Mm. Well, he was always going to struggle to get a Premier League job, but yeah. no Premier League team, no club supporters would accept Frank Lampard going in as their manager now. No, I don't think so. Uh, so annoying, Bazuna dropped for Bournemouth at home. Very likely McCarthy keeps a clean sheet tonight, says David on YouTube. I, I think with Gavin Bazuna, we do need to remind ourselves that he's incredibly young. He's a kid. It is, you, know, you gave yeah. the good example. It's himself and Elan Melier, the two guys in their very early 20s, who are making their mistakes in a very public way, where most guys that age, as we know, are just sitting on the bench as second, third choice keepers. So, mm, be fine. It's too early to panic about Gavin Bazuna just yet. Uh, time for a couple more stories Richie yeah Ireland will have to bat through the final day to prevent defeat in their second test with Sri Lanka two Sri Lankan batsmen made double centuries and another two surpassed 100 each as they declared their first innings on 704 for three Ireland lost James McCollum and PJ Moore cheaply to finish the penultimate day on 54 for two the tourists still trail Sri Lanka by 158 runs Ireland coach Gary Wilson says the side won't be negative in their approach tomorrow despite what's at stake I, I, like I said, I think the guys equipped themselves really well, um, and even you know the way PJ played there, he, he, he played really well, and we just then show that sort of one maybe tiny lapse in concentration that the ball spun out the rough a little bit. But Test match cricket punishes you whenever you just have that tiny lapse, and um, I think it's important going into tomorrow that we do realise that the pitch hasn't deteriorated massively as we as things stand at the minute, and there's a really great opportunity to bat for long periods of time tomorrow. Um, and that coupled with, you know, we've got some really, really good batters and and we're confident that we go in there tomorrow and, and do a good job. I think it'll be important that we don't just go out there and, and block. I think it's I think if we just go out there and play really negatively, we bring them into the game a lot more. Um, so rotation will be important. Uh, singles will be important. Um, and I've got full faith in the guys that they'll get the job done tomorrow. I just want to finish, Richie, that I see here. Uh, the World Cup draw in rugby is obviously something that comes in for a lot of criticism, particularly this yeah. time around where it feels particularly lopsided. They're going to change it? 
They are, yeah. World Rugby CEO has promised an end to lopsided World Cup draws. Alan Gilpin was speaking at a Sport Pro Live conference in London. The draw for this year's World Cup was made almost exactly three years before the big kickoff in France. But Gilpin says future World Cup draws would no longer be made so far out from a tournament and would mimic major soccer tournaments in making the draw less than a year out from the start of the tournament. Uh, makes sense. I understand the logistics around this show that they need to be able to plan well in advance but like the scenario they've come up with this time where you what have the four best teams in the world all on the same side yeah not ideal although it's going to make for a fun first couple of weeks at the same time absolutely you know there's the the upside of it but yeah I think it's uh, better to not have it so lopsided uh, that is where we got to leave it. Good stuff, lads. Joe, enjoy the weekend. All right. Well done. Hardest working man in show business. You know it. Richie, great stuff as always. Nice and done.